We are live. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read, and something we've learned that's been a source of inspiration for the entrepreneurs that we work with. I'm joined as ever by Alex Moore. Hello. And Anthony Enright. Hello. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, this week's theme is one that we actually struggle to define a little bit, but all of these stories relate to what we think of as interpersonal development and interpersonal skills. One of the things we, we notice sometimes is that we, we see a lot of stuff around entrepreneurship and, and learning for entrepreneurs that is really in the space of intrapersonal. It's sort of getting to know yourself, looking inwards quite a lot about what motivates you, what your purpose is. So our stories today are very much about how you understand that relationship with others and the spaces between people. Um, Hopefully, it will become clear as we share our stories. And I think, Anthony Enright, you've seen something in this space that you'd love to share. I have seen something, Ben, and I owe you an apology because it's sports-related. And I know how much you love the sports-related analogies. I'm fine with it. Um, So, on Saturday morning, I was watching a game of rugby. Two teams came out, and one team was by far the favourites. They've never lost... um, a series in their home country to this team and they haven't lost a series to any team in their home country for about 24, 25 years. So they were favourites, even though they'd lost the second game, so it was one all going into the tie. Um, they were clear favourites. But actually, as they ran out, I watched the camera now pans in as, as they run out of the team and then there's somebody in their huddle and I looked at their body language and thought, they're not ready. They're going to lose today. They are not in the right mindset to win. And the team, the other team came out and I looked at them and I thought, they're going to win this game. They've got the right body language. They look focused. They look ready. And I just sort of sat there and I thought, I wonder how this is going to play out. I wonder whether I'm right or not. And as the game went on, uh, certainly as the game started, I thought, oh, I'm absolutely right. And as the game continued, the other team, the favourites, had a bit of a purple patch, but it wasn't enough. And they lost and they lost the series at home for the first time in 24 years. And I just thought, wow, like that was really powerful. I mean, maybe if a bookmaker had been close to me when I first saw them run out, maybe I would have had a flutter. I'm not generally a a gambling person. But um, but actually, I just thought, wow, how powerful is that, that we can actually have the ability to view an individual or a team and make a quick uh, kind of knee-jerk sort of reaction and go, they're not ready, they're not going to win this game. And I just wanted to talk about it to see how that could show up and how we, you know, how that can show up in our day-to-day world of running businesses when we see people like that, when we see teams like that, what can we do? What do you think, Ben? I think you listen with your eyes. <laughs> oh, good one. Good one. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, it is, it, it really reminds me of, um, obviously leading team meetings every day. And I want to do, I always listen with my eyes. Do I always go, actually, does this team look like they're, you know, what else am I picking up? It's not just the words they say. It's not just, um, how they say, it's not just what they say. It's how they say it. And actually, as you say, the body language, are people engaged? Are they ready? 
Um, and does that give you perhaps you say what you do about it? I guess for me, it's, it's okay. Does this, can this give me information about where I need to intervene to make sure that team is ready to walk onto the pitch like winners as they have to do every day for the good of our business, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I totally get it. And it's, it's a good reminder. I just wondered though, Ben, when you say that, it's like, what do you do? Because I think it's quite a brave person. Yeah. Like if there had been a book, bookmaker or maybe my whatsapp group where everyone's talking about it it's quite brave I, I, and i didn't do it it's quite brave for me to go on and say this team is going to lose today this team is going to win purely based on how they've run out and then in our work sort of environment it's also you know how brave are we when we see it to actually do something about it or do we just let it go what do you think alex yeah, I thought it was a good. Although it's about sport, there's, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot here that relates to running a business. I think as a founder, and this whole you know, Ben talked about earlier, the difference between introspection and in, interpersonal skills and intrapersonal skills. Um, this ability to read the room, read the you know when you're giving a presentation, where you're not thinking about yourself, you just you look at everything else that's going on in front of you, and that can help steer the conversation towards being a productive meeting or getting your point across or convincing people to buy something off you. And I think those type of skills, you know, trusting your instinct is what, what I wrote down there. You know, Anthony, you saw this and you thought, yeah, these guys are going to win. And probably, I'm not sure many people would have picked up on that. And I think that having that faith for me as a founder, you know, having that faith in my own abilities and that confidence to not be worried about what everyone's thinking about me, to have that energy to be focusing on instead of spending 0% of that time thinking, what's everyone thinking about me in this room? Thinking, oh, what's going on around in this room? What's going on? What's the body language here? Reading the room in order to achieve your objective is, is a very useful skill. Yet another thing they don't teach at school, but maybe you should. Yeah, they should. What do you think? Auntie, do you want to wrap all that up? I think Ben's got something else that he wants well, to say, yeah, add in. Because you asked a question, out. I don't think we answered it, which was... So what do you do and, and do you have the bravery? There was one technique I thought I'd throw out there, which I actually learned from a hostage negotiator. And he said, um, if you do have something like that, where you've, you, you've observed somebody and perhaps they don't look quite right or you, you, you have a concern, the language he always encouraged us to use was um, to say to someone, oh, you seem a bit like this. Am I right about that? Because if you go to someone and you say, you look miserable today. <laughs> of course, what are they going to... No, I don't. <laughs> it's like this. If you say to them, oh, you seem you seem like you're, you're not quite sort of comfortable with that. Is, is that... Am I picking something up there? I could be wrong. It kind of gives people permission to say, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. But it also gives them permission to say, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, I do feel a bit down. So you seem is a very useful... I find that a very useful way to engage in these situations without being accusatory, um, mm. but at the same time open and... An invitation to a, a better conversation. Dare I say, given, a good, a good founder hack. Mr. A good founder. You're hack. giving away your secrets now, Ben. I remember, <laughs> uh, I remember you asking me that or saying that to me not that long ago. So uh, yeah, the cat's out the bag with that one. I think it's bag, really interesting. The two deep. major things that I've picked up from that are trust your instinct, right? And then actually, once you've done that, it's all it's about how you react, not about how people are going to perceive that in the room, and then. The next step of, okay, you seem a bit like this. Am I right? I love that as an action. Let's move on. So 
I think next we've got our red, and it is something that I have read. Um, so I just thought this was very interesting in this space. So I was doing a bit of research for something I was working on and um, came across this a new study from, from Berkeley University. And Berkeley conducted this study, um, quite a comprehensive study, um, and it was on emotions. And what they identified was 27, they claim, 27 fundamental emotions. That's a lot. It's a lot, right? That's what I thought. Because um, I've seen this before where people talk about emotion and, and you know, I think you had um, uh, Aristotle actually named nine, uh, a guy called Robert Plutchik named eight different emotions. Um, there's 12 emotions in what's called discrete emotional theory. So these thought of, you know, how, how does emotion break down? I was really fascinated that um, Barclay came up with 27. And I thought, actually, it's really interesting Certainly for me, because how much texture do we actually access when it comes to understanding the emotional world that, that we live in and, and that for our team? Sometimes I worry a lot of what I see in entrepreneurial spaces around emotion can be quite linear. It's like just this one straight line, one dimension. I am angry. I am sad. You know, it's sort of that's it. That's all we really um, have on that spectrum. Happy, sad, angry, quite sort of basic. And of course, the world of emotion is actually this incredibly complex three-dimensional world of subtlety and texture. And I wonder if by improving our emotional vocabulary, we can actually have a finer appreciation for how people are, get more information, get more data um, as leaders and as as, as, as you know, people in relationship with people uh, and make better decisions because of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to read all 27, but I forgive you an example where, where sort of, yeah, some of the, the classics are there. But they've also got emotions like entrancement and a, a, the emotion of nostalgia, um, the emotion of craving. I thought really interesting to have that much texture. We'll, we'll share a link in the uh, in the email. But Anthony, what do you think? You're, you've always struck me as a man with a great deal of emotional intelligence. I know, but this makes my head hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to think that there's 27. I 27. mean, I feel like you may have just opened up a can of worms on me here. Because um, I, I, I do think I've got a relatively high level of EQ. Um, but I was really interested when you said about the vocabulary, you know, the vocabulary that we use. And I wondered, just when you said that, whose vocabulary? Is it down to the individual to be able to learn and be able to articulate their emotion in more detail? Um, so we as then leaders and as entrepreneurs can then actually um, react to that? Or is it down to the leaders to be aware of them and then identify what the emotions of it? So then we can... Um, then we can actually do something about it. Because I think it's, for me, it's always about what do we do with these things? You know, how do we react? Um, whereas if I think the individual can actually use that vocabulary and articulate how they're feeling, then it makes it easier for the leader to um, to respond accordingly. Mm. Mm. I think it's an opportunity to offer invitation, isn't it? By you know, having access to this vocabulary. I think it can... Uh, it can invite that that more textured disclosure. Um, but I, you know, in your early ex explanation of this, you know, it is an area that I think we are, as as a culture, fundamentally poor at. You know, and we are, mm -hmm. we do have that linear approach, 
are you happy or are you sad? You know, um, uh, but that's because I think there's a lack of education and, and sorry to steal Alex's line, but it, this isn't something that we're taught as we grow up, right? So it is now something that I don't think it's necessarily native. So it's, so it's something we're having to learn. But I do think, yet again, it's something that does fall at the entrepreneur's feet that, that, that we're going to have to get better at to be able to understand that emotional, um, all of those emotions and understand how we can, because for me, it's about what, what do we do? How, how do we support that person? How do we get the best from them? Alex, what, what, what are your musings? Yeah, to me, I wonder if there's a correlation between being good at this, being, you know, emotionally, having good EQ, being emotionally sensitive to what your colleagues are thinking and having a successful business. You know, it's one of those things that would be, that would be an interesting study from uh, Berkeley or Barclay or whatever the, whatever the hell you say it. Um, that would be a great paper in itself. Um, people who run businesses who are good at this stuff, do they have more successful businesses as a result? Because I think a lot of, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs come from all walks of life, but, you know, I think it's got quite a high number of autistic people end up being entrepreneurs. For example, and autistic people are notoriously bad at reading the sign, the social signs that people put out when they interact. And I think that, that I wonder if being good at that means you're more likely to have a successful business. And if you're not good at it, is it something you should devote some time on in order to be, to build your business? So that's, that's an interesting question. Um, ben, how would you loop this together? Cause it was your, uh, I think is it anti challenge is always very interesting in terms of, uh, and your own Alex, in terms of what do you do with this? And I guess, you know, an example for me recently is, yeah, we, we, we had a situation where we have a supplier that putting it mildly is, is, is annoying a lot of our people at the moment they're they're, they're letting us down in a variety of ways. name names and, and, and i think i don't think we've let them down from time, to time but but it got quite tense and what what i found quite quickly was that because people tend were tending to use very strong emotional words about this i am angry i am frustrated i am really irritated um two things happened we started to then build this sort of shared narrative around they're bad we're not sort of we're okay, but they're not, which actually started to blind us to some of the stuff that we were doing wrong that actually was behind the problem. So yes, there was, so people, people like to tend to simplistic narratives. They Mm. don't like always to think actually there's always two sides to every story. There's always texture. And for me, it was quite tempting to sit. I could see us being tempted here to just go, ah, it's all, they're, they're just awful, terrible. Oh, we're going to throw everything in the bin. And you go, hang on a sec. Let's just, and by, by unpacking those emotions a bit more, you go, oh, okay. So actually there is some subtlety here. There, there is a more complex narrative that's actually got two sides to it. And for me, that was because once we were able to identify that the, 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 the emotion was perhaps getting in the way and having that subtlety of appreciating that that's what we were hearing we could mm. we could get to truth we get to what the actual truth was which was always a bit more messy and complicated than the very simplistic narrative we're sort of attracted to tells us so i guess that's that would be an example that makes sense i don't know it does anyway. the pantomime it's, this is i think this is all over the, the place you, you pick up a newspaper or you know there's a goodie there's a baddie it's the it's the way that human beings tell stories right um, it's very, very clear cut. It's easy to understand and it makes sense of the world. Um, the baddie is, you know, a bad person. The goodie mm. comes along and saves the day and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it is easy and lazy to fall into that pattern and being a little bit more, uh, being a little bit more 
intelligent about it or intellectual about it could uh, could be good for your business, I guess. Could be. could be. Right. Well, I think we've got to move on. And I think, Alex Moore, you've learned something that you'd like to share on this topic. Yeah, it's, it's a sort of personal thing, actually. That I, I, But I, I do think it can be applied to many aspects of life, including you know, life as a founder and running a business. And it's the, again, on the theme of getting interpersonal, the, the spending a lot of time with some people who are very important to you. So just, you know, you can go out for dinner with someone, you have, you know, really good friend you haven't seen for ages, you have a dinner, it's great. But to go and spend a week with somebody is, you know, it's, it's another, I found for me, it was another dimension of conversation. And it almost took two or three days before the, could really break through some of the things that people were saying to me and to really get into having some really, really deep conversations about life and the meaning of the universe uh, over, over usually over a couple of glasses of wine, I have to say, but nothing wrong with that. And it just got me thinking about time and, and interrelating, you know, it, that, that sort of spending time with people and using the brain power of friends or colleagues to unlock things in your own brain or unlock problems in your own business. And I was just thinking that this would be an interesting thing to talk to the guys about on Founder Hacks because – this is a couple of the businesses I'm, I, I sit on boards with. I'm encouraging them to do an away day and you know, go somewhere nice and bring their teams and go and spend. You know, lock, everyone locks themselves in a room and talks about a business. And that's very interesting too. So this, yeah, this whole thing about getting interpersonal, about quality time and a lot of time with somebody and how useful that can be. What, what, uh, I want to throw that one out for debate. Anthony, what, what, what well, are your you're, thoughts you're preaching to the converted here uh, because I see the benefit of teams coming together on a regular basis, um, actually following similar agendas each time they come. So there's a more familiarity with it, but actually getting out of the normal day to day and coming together. So getting out of the office is a really um, key one for me is being in a different environment so you're not distracted and and it feels like we're in a different environment. Actually, one of the teams I work with when we come together once a quarter, they book it in a different venue each time so that there's something memorable about, oh, do you remember when when we were in this location and we discussed this? So actually a slightly different location helps with that that kind of bonding. But, But for me, you know, we don't do enough of it. And sorry to bring it back to... Um, sports analogies again. Uh, I promised I wouldn't do it too often. So two in once is a bit naughty. But, um, you know, if you think about sports teams, how much time do they spend training, discussing tactics, getting to know each other versus actual execution? They spend 90% of their time in the planning, team building, strategy, tactics, and they actually spend 10% of their time effectively executing, right? But in our businesses, we're completely opposite, aren't we? How much of our time do we actually step out of that environment to actually get to know each other, to plan that strategy, and then to plan the effective execution of that strategy and to want to work in an environment where we're enjoying that journey and then go and execute? You know, we're the complete opposite, aren't we? And some businesses don't even spend that time. They're 100% execution the whole time. So so for me, I, what I picked up there, Alex, is that that having those people around you on a regular basis where you can get things off your chest and they can help you see the light and see see what's next when you don't even realize that, that there may be a problem um and and doing it 
just doing it regularly with those same groups of people can be incredibly powerful. So yeah, preaching to the converted here and anybody listening, um, we've got, I've got, you know, in between all three of us, we've got lots of ideas as to what great looks like as far as that's concerned with our background and experiences. And um, if, if you're hesitant, ju- ju- just book something, get your team out for the day and you'll start to see the difference of just getting people out of their environment and getting them talking about different things. Ben, you're a bit of a master in this area. What, what, it's a no pressure, <laughs> but what do you think? <laughs> oh, blimey. That's a, thanks for that. Didn't see that bus coming. Um, what I was actually going to say was, obviously agree with what you said, Anthony. I think it's very important um, to have time in a business context in um, a space which is more interpersonal. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that I also heard, I think I heard from from Alex was something about how restorative it was for him as well. Um, And even though it's not necessarily just about the business, is it? It's also about you and your sustainability. And and generally speaking, even for an introvert like me, I have to admit that having time in a positive interpersonal environment um, is is restorative. I do need that time. And sometimes that's not just about my colleagues it's about my family it's about my friends and and making time for that um is very important but then equally i i think in in a business context yeah we we particularly for your senior teams we go so fast right we 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 go so fast all the time or we can certainly fall into that habit some things take time and making sure those things that need to take time are given due time, I think is so important. And sometimes that does, yeah, mean getting out of the office, but not that many of us have offices anymore, but um, getting out, whatever, whatever it is, getting together, getting into a different space, um, giving something due time to make the really big decisions for the business, I think is absolutely critical um, because sometimes it does take time. Uh, and, and that's the other thing I took from what you said, Alex, how would you wrap it up for us? It does take time, and time is an important thing. And who you spend time with is very it matters too. But yeah, I'm I'm loving that the the power of getting to know each other, um, the the benefits of this is what I've written down. I always learn things from you guys. The the benefit of doing it on a on a regular basis. The benefit of mixing it up and doing it in different places. I thought that was really interesting. And yes, the restorative nature of it for the. the you know, the person putting it together, the founder, if you like, how how important that is. So, yeah, I think that kind of loops together the other two, actually, dare I say it. Um, it sort of tails, tails it nicely. Yeah. But, um, Very good. yeah, it's, I, I, learned, I learned something there. So thank you. Awesome. Well, I think we've had some amazing founder hacks. I'll do my best to summarize them. So do you listen with your eyes? So much information about those that you relate to can come from other things than their words. Do your team look and feel ready to win? And how can you play your part in making sure that they are? Equally, do you speak emotion? Can you speak the language? Can you use a textured understanding of emotion to gather more data and make better decisions? Can you use that understanding to unwind the simplistic narratives that we all like to fall into? And remember, the world is not a pantomime. Can you understand the subtlety of emotional vocabulary and use that to help you see the true story? 
Finally, sometimes spending substantial time relating to others can unlock so much more. In the hurly-burly of business, we go fast. But sometimes slowing down and giving due time to the things that really matter with the people that really matter can pay dividends. The interpersonal world is generally the domain in which we can share planning and share creation and get ourselves ready for what comes next. It's also restorative. So could you benefit from a little more of that? Some great founder hacks, guys. Thank you very much indeed. Um, it remains to say, of course, as always, uh, a, a huge thank you to Alex Moore. Thank you, guys. And, of course, a huge thank you to Anthony Enright. Thank you. And finally, a reminder to all of our listeners that Founder Hacks is not just this podcast. It is also a blog and newsletter. You can subscribe at www.atomics.co.uk. If you would like to drop us a line about something you've heard today or from one of our other Founder Hacks episodes that has moved you in some way, please do so. You can contact us at hello at atomics.co.uk. Until next time, I've been Ben Thomas. This has been Founder Hacks. And thanks very much indeed for listening.